Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Paid Life, we welcome Wayman Britt. Wayman will be releasing a book in a few weeks entitled Fulfilling the Dream, My Path to Leadership and Finding Purpose Through Serving Others. Wayman has a great basketball story that starts in Tobacco Road, North Carolina and makes its way to Flint, Michigan. Wayman landed at the University of Michigan where he helped lead his team to the Big Ten Championship in 1974 and to the NCAA National Championship game in 1976 all sustained by an unwavering faith in God and a life of service to others. We can't wait to hear Wayman's story, so let's get started. Well, we're so excited to have Wayman Britt on the podcast today. And Wayman, can you start off by telling us a little bit about sport in your life? Well, sport for my life has been uh, basketball primarily, but I did play a little football, Sandlot. And a little baseball uh, when I was growing up, but uh, basketball has been really the mainstay. But I now enjoy golf, uh, guys. So uh, if ever you want to go out and challenge me on an 18, let me know. I, I got to know what your handicap is, but I'm willing to go out there and challenge the two of you. At least <laughs> I think there's a good chance you'd beat me. I'm not sure about Brian. I liked your first answer better, though. We should have stopped after basketball, I think. We should have stopped there. <laughs> well, that's great. That's helpful for us. Well, you probably would bat me on a basketball court now that my uh, older age has started to set in, so I don't get around as quickly as I It sets in quickly, doesn't it? It sets in quickly. Yeah. yeah well, tell us a little bit about faith in your life. Oh my goodness, faith is so very important in my life, has been for a long time. I grew up uh, uh, in a uh, Baptist um, family. My mother and father went to church every day, but I really never really um, understood what uh, faith was all about until later on in life. And then I started figuring out that God has a plan, God has a purpose for your life. And if you can just uh, believe that, be be uh, steadfast, and uh, he will make uh, your life come around, you know. Um, even this week was an interesting week for me already, starting out. This morning, for some reason, just just was kind of an odd day. I don't know, but, uh, uh, you know, get on my knees, and I pray and ask God to direct and to uh, so forth. And, and uh, it's amazing what happens throughout the day. I had a pleasant surprise from my insurance adjuster today about my car uh, <laughs> that I don't have to pay any deductibles for a tire that went out on my car you know and uh, I didn't I didn't realize it but anyway what a what a pleasant surprise that was so it lifted my spirits guys and but faith is critically important for anyone that's out here in the world trying to do good in, in the world uh, if you don't have faith there's no way that I would be able to stand here even today to talk with you guys about uh, this book. 
Well, Wayman, we I think you started to talk a little bit about how God is there in the big things and even in the little things, right? The the insurance adjusting kind mm-hmm. of news you get, uh, and you getting up and praying each day helps thing. us um, helps us keep, take yeah. good track or think about how God is is intersecting in our lives. And so <clears throat> we're mm-hmm. we're interested in hearing about. Uh, your basketball career and and those sorts of things, of course. But I wonder, mm-hmm. just to help our readers get to our listeners get to know you a little bit, uh, give us something about Wave and Brit that people mm-hmm. don't know. Something, maybe a hobby, maybe uh, someplace you've been that is a bit unusual that uh, will give reader or listeners an understanding of of who you are. Hmm. Wow. A lot of this is covered in the book, so they'll get to know me in the book, Fulfilling the Dream. But people may not know I was drafted by the Washington Redskins of the wow. National Football League. And uh, even though I never played football, uh, had a chance, experience meeting a young man who was the quarterback. He was a free agent quarterback named Denny Duran, who walked me through re reigniting my fire and my relationship with the Lord uh, down there at the Washington Redskins camp. I shaved my beard off that, that weekend that we were there in training camp at the Washington Redskins. And he gave me an annotated date, uh, date Bible. Uh, and I kept it for a long time. I don't know what happened to it. And then uh, a couple of years ago, he reached back to me. He's down in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. His father was a, pastor, minister, and, and uh, he was just so happy to hear about what has happened to me over the years since, you know, back in ni- 1977, 78. He had, you know, we hadn't talked with each other in a long time. So that was, uh, that's probably something people don't know about me, is that uh, I found the Lord again in my life back in 1977 at the Washington Redskins camp, uh, had not played football but uh, just was blessed, I guess, with athletic ability. And, and uh, they wanted me along with the Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins, uh, along with the uh, Detroit Lions. They all looked at me, Green Bay Packers. And so, uh, well, that, so that's probably something people don't know. That's about a Wayne. pretty amazing story. You could have played for the Lions. Wow, that would have been quite a career accomplishment, right? Yeah. You know, it would have been interesting, Yes. Yeah, so um, I think you started to unpack for us, and this is going to be a very interesting conversation for us. Uh, you recently released a book called Fulfilling the Dream, and it's mm-hmm. it's really about you, right? It's about you and, and the things that you've experienced in life and, and uh, uh, things that you've grown to understand uh, in and through life about leadership uh, and about really just navigating your way through life in sport and in faith. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could step back a little bit and give us a big overview of that book, and then we'll maybe ask some more specific questions about your life and career. Yeah, this book book, um, started back when I worked with the county. I had been writing a lot of uh, notes and journals and, in fact, was involved with uh, our newsletter writing articles, and towards the end of my career at the county after 17 years, I began to get serious about writing a book. I reached out to a, a person who worked for the Ann Arbor News. His name is Jeff Mortimer. Jeff was an excellent writer, 
and I, Jeff had written a book, and I had found it somehow. And I asked him to give me the opportunity to work with him to write my book, write my story. And he said, no, I can't do that, Wayman, because I don't, I don't like to write. <laughs> he says, the only way you're going to get this done is to reach out to a guy named Bill Haney, who has written over 400 books, edited, published 400 books. I reached out to Bill, went over, met with him, and then, bam, we hit it off and began the process of writing the book within nine months with my good friend now, Ray Serafin. Um, but the, the, the reason for the book is just to give people some sense of what it was like growing up as I was, nine, one of nine children, who at that time, back in the 60s and 50s, growing up, growing up in North Carolina, uh, tobacco country, it wasn't expected that you would go to college. And it all started for me one day when I went to church with my mom and my brothers and sisters, and I'd get on my knees and pray to go to Boy Scout camp. And I was selected out of two, uh, 400, 400 kids, two of us, Clifford, Clifford Vincent and myself, were um, given the opportunity to go to Boy Scout camp. And um, my sisters and brothers thought I was nuts talking about going to college because we didn't have any money. And uh, I wanted to go to University of North Carolina, ended up leaving the South with my dad and, and, and family to go to Flint, Michigan. I thought everything was off because uh, my coach, coach knew Dean Smith and I was a pretty good athlete as a freshman in high school. But anyway, long story short, man, I, we ended up winning two state championships back to back at Flint Northern. And um, I was all stater like, uh, and a lot of schools were after me uh, in Flint. And, um, Ended up going to University of Michigan, playing on that team. Went to you know, NCAA finals my senior year. It's all in the book. But the people that I've met along the way and just how God has blessed me, uh, it's just amazing. And it all started back when I had this vision, this dream about going to the University of North Carolina. And the book is about how you let yourself visualize and dream and don't let anybody take those ideas, those thoughts that you have about your future away from you, because God has a plan. And I talk about the fact that we don't want anyone undermining God's plan for your life. And too often what happens is society, even family members sometimes will undermine that. And um, my hope will be that the book inspires and motivate people to become who God has destined them to be. And they don't let anything that happens to them, any tragedy, any setback, any particular situation that one would say, you you know, it's impossible, that they don't let any of that stop them fulfilling, fulfilling their, their hopes and dreams and aspirations. And so that's what the book is about. And, and also just talking through how I became the county administrator of Kent County, the fourth largest county in the, in the state of Michigan had no background in public administration whatsoever. And my first job with a paycheck was cleaning the floors of Genesee County Prosecutor's Office and the Health Department in Genesee County. It, you know, who would have thought that I would be working with the prosecutor and the court, the judiciary, and, and all those folks and playing a role and actually deciding 
what budget they they received to run their organizations. That that's me. That's the guy that was at the head of the county. So I talk about that and the lessons learned. Um, we just came off of COVID also, and I wanted to give people a sense of what that was like, how we pull the community together to deal with that issue. And um, yeah, I talk a lot about leadership too, guys. You know, I'm a leader, and uh, people want to know what does that mean. And uh, I, I break that down uh, to people so that people can gain a sense of what it's like to, you know, be in the front seat driving change and, and, and pushing people to, to new solutions in life and so forth. So that's what the book is about. That's probably a long uh, explanation, but uh, just they just got to read the book. Well, it's a good explanation, and it, it provides us with a lot of context. I want to ask a number of follow-up questions. I'm going to limit that to just one right now. First of all, you know, many of our listeners probably don't understand that the two places you mentioned, live, having lived at Tobacco Road in North Carolina, there's that's basketball country in many ways, right? And then and then you move to Flint, Michigan, which is, uh, you know, per capita has produced as many uh, elite basketball players as anywhere in the world. At least people from Flint would say that, right? And, and anyone from Michigan would, would understand what they're saying. So there's something really special about the places you've lived related to your basketball development. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that and specifically to the people you mentioned as being sort of leaders alongside you that helped you in your journey. You know, so much of what we're doing here at Sport Faith Life is developing community and and sharing ideas. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that. Who helped you along the way? Well, my father, Oscar Britt, was was one heck of a farmer. He was he, he was a heck of a, a guy. He, 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 he unbelievable what he was able to do. A fifth grade education, and my mom only had a eleventh uh, grade education, and um, so that determination, that grit, that he uh, exemplified, carried me right on through life. And so I would start there, number one, and then course, uh, my mom, the way she was, she was such a loving, caring, giving person. And, and, and I believe that that stuck with me over the years. She had a slogan on a uh, plaque in her home when she died. It said, love is like a butterfly. It goes wherever it pleases and it pleases wherever it goes. And I try to exemplify that, you know, this love, dignity, respect, valuing people. That's my mom. So I give credit to them, first of all. But then my brothers, my brothers, my brothers, Jimmy and brother James, his name is James Curtis. Other brother's name is Jimmy Lee. So don't <laughs> get confused by what I just said there. But <laughs> George Foreman back in the day. But uh, my dad and mom called, you know, named those two kids, Jimmy and James. But my they had a they had a work ethic and a passion. They were older, and I was the I was kind of the run of the litter. I had I was the shortest, uh, and they beat up on me pretty good and pushed me. Uh, and my brother Jimmy especially would probably uh, mirror Michael Jordan in his attitude about winning. And he never played organized basketball. He had to work the farm. He never had an opportunity to do it. And so he would take me around these courts, these sandlot courts around Johnston County, Smithfield, Clayton, Wilson's Mills, and so forth. And he put he put so much heat and pressure on me. No wonder I jumped so high and I became so good because he wouldn't let me not play my best. So I, I give a lot of credit to him. But, you know, there are other people 
you know, my Anna Lars, you know, when I was going through a very difficult time, went through a very difficult divorce and, and had to make that happen after I came back, uh, you know, from the Lakers and steel case for a while. And, and she was there all along helping to guide me through and encouraging me. Um, and then there's just, you know, other people. You may not know this guy. You may know him. His name is John Guest. He was an evangelist, uh, an Episcopal priest. In fact, he spoke at Calvin College once. I met him in Pittsburgh. And it's amazing what he had me, uh, he helped me to realize is that I was called. I was called out to do things uh, in ministry, but not, not ministry as a pastor per se. But as far as the work that I did in administration, and um, he helped me to affirm that uh, about my life. So people like that, uh, John Lockhart, University of Michigan, helped me to realize that I had so much more talent and ability. I came from kings and queens from Africa. You know, his class taught us that. And, um, you know, it gave me confidence, uh, which... You know, growing up in North Carolina, you don't have a lot of confidence when you're not expected to go anywhere and do anything. So I could I could go on and on and on, guys. You better shut mm -hmm. me down because there are a lot of people out there that have helped build me up from Coach Orr to Bill Frieder to, you know, those folks who were my coaches in high, sc in high school and college. Um, you know, people from Steelcase that were my mentors, bosses and you know, there's so many people. Uh, and then, of course, my wife, Dinah, now, she's the one that's the, the wind beneath my sail. I would have never gotten that book done if it wasn't for her. She's such a loving, caring, supportive person. So, you, you know, you better stop me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, uh, talking about somebody else. But I, I'm not a man-made, self-made man. I'm, I'm, I've been made by the people that God has sent in my life that it surrounded me. That's how I became who I am today. I am who I am because of what happened when and the people that I was around. Well, wait a minute. I don't want to stop you, but I do hear very much the, the gratitude in your voice. Um, the way that you've recognized others in the development and the success that you've had. And, uh, I think a lot of people will resonate with the way you talk about family and playing and spending time with your brothers and being pushed a little bit and being challenged. And, and that seems mm -hmm. to apply to the port, the sports story quite a bit, right? Where people will talk about, uh, you know, how their home environment set them up for some sort of success. You also talked about just being mm -hmm. in tobacco road. I spent, um, Five years in North Carolina, uh, myself, and and got a taste for uh, the love of basketball and that space, and it was a really interesting place to be, even in a different era. And so I wonder if we think about just the different eras, because you grew up in a time when uh, the United States was very different, when school was very different. You said your your mom and dad had uh, fifth grade and eleventh grade educations. Uh, and now we have, um, you know, uh, in some ways a very different world. In some ways we're all still human. And, and, and so it's the same world, right? We, we develop and uh, uh, right. there are people around us that we need. So I wonder, your book is about really a, your path to leadership and finding purpose and, and serving others in many ways. How, what would your, what is kind of the message you would give to the modern generation or what would you say you're seeing 
particularly maybe in the world of sport in the modern generation, uh, some of the things you're observing? Well, I would ask people to think about the teams that have actually won championships and what was the MO, what was the modus operandi for those teams? Uh, if you think about Magic Johnson and the championships he's won, Larry Bird, the championships he's won in basketball, for instance, in any great team, think about um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots and what they were about. It all comes down to one, one single thing. There's someone on that team who sets the example for how they will give up some of what they are about it. You know, they will give up some of the points that they could score. They would give of themselves unselfishly to the good of the team. And that's, that's for me, what made great teams way back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now we're in the 2000s. That's what you'll see all the time. You know, it's not the guy that shoots, you know, the 30, 40 points a game. And they, you know, think about some of the teams that have not played uh, into the championship, won championships. It's, it's, it's always because of someone else shooting that jump shot who's not the star or playing that defense who's not the star or making that pass that helps the team to get over the top. And I would say to all young people, yes, work on your individual uh, skills and so forth. But always remember, it takes a team to win championships. And at the end of the day, when you're winning championships, you're remembered. When you score a bunch of points and you don't win, you're not remembered the same way. So that's what I would tell young people today, and, and that's how I pattern my, my successes. You know, back when I played at Flint Northern, we all scored in double figures. Back at Michigan, we all scored double figures, the first five. Even when I could have been, because I was a captain on the team, both those teams, NCAA Finals, and as the North, at, uh, Flint Northern, the captain, could have been the guy that scored all the points, but I didn't do that. So I think that's the difference. You know, and people think that I can't shoot the ball. I can't shoot as well as I play defense. But let me tell you, I can shoot the ball pretty good. And in fact, um, uh, anyway, there's evidence of that playing in St. Cecilia League when I was in between the Pistons and the Lakers. But ultimately, it's about winning. It's about winning championships for the good of the organization, for the good of the team, for the good of the community winning those champions you know if we were recording this uh this video we'd have to we'd have to insert some clips of you shooting right just to verify some of those claims <laughs> that you're making right I, I could shoot the ball we we trust you we we trust you so I, i'm curious if we can go back to some of your days <laughs> as as a um, an elite athlete uh, not that you're not elite now as a golfer you were you were saying that but but to your elite <laughs> days in basketball can you share some experiences of some memories you have where where leadership really impacted uh, a particular team and, and, and what that meant to you as an athlete, whether you were the one as the leader or you were the one that was watching someone else do it really well. Can you share a couple of memories for us just to kind of really make this concrete? Oh, man. Wow. Oh, wow. Let's see. You know, um, I'll give you an inst a situation where I learned how to become a leader. We were at Flint Northern High School. Uh, Bill Frieder was our head coach. We were running suicides. 
monsters. Uh, you know what those are. Go to mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. line and back to the back. Anyway, we were so tired. And, and so some of the guys thought it was, you know, funny for whatever reason. They started goofing off. We had it running more mince months. And afterwards, we went to the water fountain. One of our teammates, Terry Furrow, ended up spitting on me with the water at the water fountain. It was amazing. I said, what in the world? I went after him, right? I went after him after practice. Here I was, the captain of the team. Fruiter got, got after me and said, wait a minute. You can't do that. Took me to the locker room and gave me uh, a uh, coaching session about how to be a team leader. And from that, I recognized that no matter how foolish and, and, and silly some of the teammates are, I've got to embrace them, love them, get over that. And I did that with Terry Furlow. He didn't change as a person. He knew Terry Furlow, and he's dead now. He's, he, he had the same behavior, the attitude, the swagger, if you will, for years when he played uh, in the NBA. Um, uh, but, you know, when he died, guess who showed up as a funeral in, in Flint, Michigan? It was Dr. J. It was Magic Johnson. It was Dave Ming. It was Lim Barney that showed up at his funeral at Graceland Cemetery in Flint, Michigan because of how he developed as a player from Flint Northern High School. And so I just say to you guys, um, you know, I hope that I had a little part to play in that because he called me when he was drafted number one. I was drafted uh, in the first round. I was drafted in the fourth round. He called me and said, Wayne, is there anything you need? Because I didn't, I wasn't given, uh, you know, a no cut contract. I was, I was a fourth round pick and uh, man, I just thank God. And then there's another story. Steve Brody's another one. I, uh, Talk about him in my book. Steve Grody was the hustler. He's got the hustler award at Michigan. And uh, we didn't see eye to eye, you know, and I challenged him also on our team. And, uh, you know, and, and I, in fact, challenged the coach because I didn't feel like Steve Grody was playing up to his ability. I went to Coach George said, you need to sit him down. You need to play Dave Baxter. And um, coach didn't do it. And uh, I don't know. But anyway, when when I left Michigan, he left Michigan. He got a job with NBC Sports, uh, doing color commentary, right in Detroit. You know what? When he left that station, he was going to Cincinnati. You know who called me? Steve Grody. Wayne, we have an opening here in Detroit. And I'm like, wow, you know. Um, so, I, I guess what I say is that it, it's a humbling. Uh, experience for me to see guys who at times I was at odds with uh, who look at me and, and, and say, uh, I'm a leader. I'm an example. And Brody called me when the book came out, uh, I was on Fox and friends and uh, said that now I got the text message and talked about what a great example I was to him and uh, you know, the best teammate and so on and so forth, you know, and uh, he was here this past year at the film and dream. So uh, those are the things that I remember uh, that are special for me uh, that um, just takes you back, man, and say, well, what, what a mighty God we serve and, and what, what a responsibility we have to set an example for people. You never know what impact you have. Well, Wayman, when you talk about your experiences with various teams and with uh, teammates that, 
maybe you don't click with, but somehow the overall goal sort of won out, the opportunity to pull together a championship, to make a run, right? And we have to learn to deal mm-hmm. with um, the various idiosyncrasies of all of our teammates uh, and do that in a way that is mm-hmm. humble and respectful and and sometimes corrective, right? Bill Frieder mm-hmm. had to, to teach you so, a lesson about leadership, right? And we all get those sorts of things. That's what sport brings. It gives us great yes. opportunity to have a group of people that are all together for one reason. We're all good at basketball or we're all good at golf. And uh, that's the one thing holding us together, but we're different other than that, right? And uh, sport gives us that great opportunity to come together for that common purpose. Uh, and it sounds like... Um, those collections of uh, experiences were helpful in helping you pull this book together. And we're really appreciative that you did. We're really glad that uh, you were able to do that. And it tells a great story. Um, I wonder just as, yeah, absolutely. As we close this out, um, I want to give you an opportunity to to say anything in addition that uh, we haven't uh, gotten to yet, but also let folks know you said, read the book. And I think everybody ought to let them know where they can find the book as well. Yeah. So I just like to say to those that are listening is that no man is an island. And if it wasn't for the people that have come into my life and if it wasn't for God in my life, I would not be the man that I am today and had the successes in life that I've had. And and um, so I, I give all God, give God all the glory and honor. And, uh, you know, and I thank him for for what I've been able to accomplish the book is on my website. If people want to buy my book right now, they can go to WBE Books on our website. And, of course, um, they can also get the book from Amazon and from Apple Books. Um, they can get that, the electronic version. Uh, there will be eventually an audiobook version on Audible um, that they can pull down. Um, the book will be formally uh, released on October the 14th. Uh, we will have a book signing here in Grand Rapids at the present Ford Museum in a couple of weeks on the 27th of October at 5.30 p.m. So if people would like to come out and visit with us, we talk about the book, discuss some of the important points, and do a book signing there. So uh, I guess that's what I would like to share with people, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, it will impact them and inspire them and help them to understand how we all are God's children and that we all are a part of his plan and that we should always remember that he's got a purpose uh, for our lives and um, always believe that, know that, and uh, live up to those expectations. And, and uh, that's what I would say to people. Well, amen to that. We, we very much appreciate your uh, willingness to come on the podcast with us. We're grateful that you're able to write this book and we wish you all the best in the release and everything that comes after it. We will look forward to getting a, a hard copy, maybe even a, an audio copy and, and kind of going forward from there. Thank you, Wayman Britt, for being on the Sport Faith Life podcast. I'll make sure you, you get a hard copy. How about that? I'll wow, see. that sounds fantastic. We're always looking for stuff. That's awesome. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. 
find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.